call it. Welcome to episode 117 of Call It Friend, or the podcast where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Anna Katina, caught up on all the summer's big hits. Barbie, Oppenheimer, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the films right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Podcast. Drop us a line there if any feedback or recommendations. Peace. Hi, man. We're live. We're live. We're back. Can you believe it? I can I can believe it. I knew we were going to come back. People were texting me, "When's the podcast coming back?" At least three, three people. Texting. Three, at least three people. Holy hell! <laughs> yeah. That's like that's Rogan numbers. Yeah, indeed. One of them, Seth uh, Rogan, uh, begin began with L and um, rhymed with Schmook. Uh, the other one, um, <laughs> he uh, also begin... texted me <laughs> or spoke to me face to face. Even uh, the other one begins with B or and rhymes with. Uh, uh, my judder. I don't know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> There's really one more good. person. I don't know. My, I don't mind. No, but I, yeah, I don't mind. See, when you said no, BR there, when you said yeah. BR, I thought that was like B and then the letters O and R together. I didn't realize it was just two letters. Oh, wow. I mean, that's BR. why they pay, that's why they pay me the big bucks in this podcast. Yeah, I can see that. Man, if I, if like, if we start Patreoning, you have to know, I don't want to do it, but given my profile in the past, I probably will steal from you. Well, I'm quite accustomed to patronizing, so. So, what? Oh, here we go, here we go. So, anyway, we've agreed to come yes. here to catch up on the summer. We both had very busy summers with nothing to do with movies. Is that correct? What That's were you doing? One hundred percent accurate. I was working. I was working down in Cambridge, in uh, <laughs> in the south of England, and uh, I was working very hard. I didn't have to. I literally I watched two films over the summer. And we're going to talk about two of those. Bovidon. I I watched, like, once I got on holidays, I managed to watch a few more. But it just so happened that right around the time we put the pause on the podcast for the summer break, my kid just kicked into insane mode. And it was just no bedtimes, no nothing. So there was never any time to watch anything. I caught up on reading, got into audiobooks. Uh, watched um caught up on the the tv show jack ryan which is good but i've mentioned that here before no need to talk about it but eventually eventually coming back around we did catch up on each of us the four movies that everyone's been talking about this summer and i think our list from worst to best is more or less the same we haven't talked about these at all no but i intrigued i imagine there i imagine there's a switch in between your two and my three but we'll see so the films, uh, of course, we're talking about are Sound of Freedom, uh, The Equalizer <laughs> 3, which I've actually seen both of those films. I have you? You've it. seen both of those? I have are they seen in Blockbuster? Films. No, I went to the cinema to watch them both, which is far more embarrassing. Are you going to talk about those at the end of the episode? Because I want to hear. I'll, I'll hear. I'll talk a little bit. Very briefly. I'll ask you. Especially Sound of you. Freedom. Especially yeah, yeah. Sound of Freedom. I want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a mad old time. Anyway, obviously, the four films we're talking about are Barbie Oppenheimer slash Barbenheimer. Indiana yeah. Jones and the Dial of Destiny and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Yeah, yeah, Where do you yeah. want to start? You you choose the starting point, and then I'll choose the next one, and then you choose the third, and so on. All right. Well, uh, I'll start with the worst, because it's probably the most interesting uh, discussion. Let's dive right into Dial oh, of Destiny. Oh, yeah, Dial of Destiny. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So I'll, I'll start. I'll give it a... I, How did you watch I, this, by the way? Did you go to the cinema for this one? No, I didn't. I watched it on Disney Plus in fucking high ass 4K. I couldn't get away. I wanted to. I did. It was on Disney Plus, just like it was on like two weeks ago. It was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. But you don't Um, have to pay any extra for it. It's just on there. No, no, it's on there. Oh, okay. That's how. But I mean, well, first of all, we might as well uh, address the elephant in the room. This film has lost Disney a catastrophic amount of money by accounts of what they expected to make to break even plus the expected profit, let's say, it's a loss of about $600 million. It's crazy Budget money. Budget was 300 and it made 382.7. Yeah, so um, quick which explainer. Which is not people factoring out there, in marketing or anything, obviously. Which isn't factoring marketing, which isn't also factoring in, 
like for example, the cinemas get half of your gross. So you need to like yeah to break even on this. It would have needed to make nine hundred. No, like sorry, a billion make, basically. No, yeah, basically, and it it made a third of that. Um, and you know, I I wasn't able to go to the cinema when it was coming out, but I was watching the what was going on, going what's happening, and then I watched it, and in a strange way, two major feelings. I felt bad for most of the people involved. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, any socialists out there will uh, feeling bad for millionaires like, yeah, but I mean, they're all into their careers. Um, and basically, Disney popped all this cash on the table and said, well, you know, whatever. I don't feel like, oh, it's ruined the legacy of Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, to me, is still three great movies and that's fine. And then the other big feeling I, I had was because everyone's talking about this is a franchise that people didn't have interest in anymore. But the main feeling I actually got was people are not that interested in something that's demonstrably in the trailer going to be a CGI fuckfest anymore. If people spot that, they are, and because that was my main issue with it. Yeah. Like, 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 and there were other issues. Obvi- one thing for sure, I watched um, Raiders of the Lost Ark like the, the day after, and it's like, if you ever want to see how good of a filmmaker Steven Spielberg is, do that. Because... Honestly, people can give out about the time travel storylines. They're not that different in 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 material at the center. Yeah. Steven Spielberg's just an amazing filmmaker. He creates little cinematic moments that make you go wow, like fucking Sam Neill spotting the Brontosaurus in Jurassic Park, like Indiana Jones seeing all the baskets in Casablanca or wherever he is in Radars. He's a magician with this kind of shit. And I don't know. Yeah, go, go on. Say, you talk no, about I was going to say, like, about the uh, time travel aspect. The only parts of the film I liked were the parts that weren't set in 1969. I had yeah, no problem I with agree. the star. I had no problem with the sl- slightly 100% dodgy. agree. Yeah, I had absolutely no problem with any of that. But... I thought that part at the end was actually interesting, to be honest. I was like, yeah, this is same. wild that they're going there. Same. I thought that was, like, you know, it was just showing you something completely different. And I would have... I would have been happy with a film set entirely in the ni- in 1944 or whatever. It's great to see the Nazis back. And yeah, also, you can't be the Nazis as villains, but that credit where it's section. Due. Yeah, yeah, go, I was about that, to give that credit opening to this. section. Yeah, credit to that. But Fantastic. it took them like it took them three years to make that 25 minute sec- uh, section of the film. There's parts of it I had a problem with that you really it takes you out of the Indiana Jones feel like when they're train fighting on the uh, uh, when they're fighting on the roof of the train in the weather in Germany or whatever. And like, for example, you remember the car chase in, in Egypt, in radars, right. in radars, radars. Um, it's so crunchy and realistic. And once they get on the roof of that train, it's not anymore. But the main thing that's just young people who see this movie won't be able to comprehend how amazing this is, particularly young people who watch this, haven't watched an Indiana Jones movie before and haven't seen The Irishman. But the de-aging technology <laughs> is actually good. Is it's incredible. Like yeah, you yeah. can hear it in his voice. You can hear that yeah, old. Yeah, he he's old. He sounds old. He sounds 80 years old. But the look, wow. I genuinely found that quite impressive. Um, but going back to the people I feel sorry for, and this is a person who's got a lot of hate on the internet. Man, I feel sorry for uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge Phoebe in Waller-Bridge. this one. She's pretty good. What a... She's pretty good, but she's actually, what, a, what an annoying character. Yeah. Like the, well, I, didn't she, uh, I thought she, she has like a writing credit, does she not? No, she doesn't. I thought she did. No, I thought she no, did some rewrites. Two Butterworths and one yeah, other yeah. guy. No, but I just thought, what an on paper and on screen annoying character that they're trying to make something that she needn't have been. Because uh, honestly, what Indiana would be the Jones, choice with her? How do you improve that character? Just give her more depth? No, make it dial down the kind of sassiness, I suppose. Good luck. Yeah, and maybe give her more depth, actually, um, to be honest, because she didn't have much of that either. They kind of just tried to make her like a, a sex pervert, but um, a lady. <laughs> Where'd you get that? I never got that. When maybe she was I was just missing like, that. Strolling when they're walking along the boat and she's checking out all the dudes and she's like, oh, I'd have him. Oh, I'd have him. You know, it's a. Uh... God, you, you don't remember this? You're so old-fashioned. I never. In your defense, in your defense, yeah, but that's the thing. With (laughs) why was her face not covered at all times? That's my point. (laughs) 
It's such a forced characterization. Agreed. Um, and like, here's a, another huge concern. We're not going to do this for all four of the movies, but I dare you to do a plot synopsis of this right now. <laughs> I, but it's quite, it's, I it can't remember beats, anything. Yeah, yeah. 1944, yeah. stealing Parade. some shit, some <laughs> a spear. Mads Mikkelsen gets hit by a big part of a train that would clearly kill him. Like, yes, hit right? by like a, a fucking tower, uh, a water tower. But that's not a problem with a Indiana Jones. He got logic, bell in the face. And he he would a hundred percent be dead. That was like a hugely powerful hit to the head. And he got knocked off of a train. Then it's nineteen sixty nine, and it's just uttered a a rain of dog shit in the in the form of like a ticker tape parade. That's that CGI parade is is mind boggling. That bad. that passed. Yeah, yeah. It's, also, it why like... I don't care about that. I don't care yeah. about anything in nineteen sixty nine. Because then it's why... all Harrison Ford again. This is why the this is why I suppose um, to begin with it, and I said it's the most interesting one to talk about. Um, <laughs> to to quote what's probably a cliche to only you and I, uh, it feels like the pendulum might be swinging back. <laughs> but like for real, is this not enough of a colossal waste of money for something that people don't want? It feels genuinely, Andy. It the only thing, the only parallel in cinema history is at the end of the 60s where they were making Cleopatra and nobody wanted to see it. And they had said, okay, we've got to get in touch with the kids again, I suppose, or get in touch with the audiences again, so to speak. But like, I mean, who's this for? Is this just exactly, for Harrison Ford? Just because he wanted to, you know, he didn't want uh, number he four. Didn't want to, to. He didn't want to go out on the Crystal Skull. He's like... No, but he didn't want to. Um, Did he not? I, mean, I thought he wanted no. to come in and like put a sort of button on the whole thing. No, like Harrison Ford is smoking Harrison weed Ford somewhere is, in California. Is as stoic as they come. He like, for example, people always try to get grumbly interviews out of him, and they'll get them, but the grumbliness is aimed at journalists. He won't give out about projects he's been on ever. He just thinks everyone does their job or whatever. But no, he was held into a contract um, for five movies, and so they extracted the fifth movie, and that was that. And then the final pound of flesh they got out of because he's a, but he it's a, it's a it's an odd thing to brag about uh, about somebody. I'm not bragging to it's complimenting. He's always been a consummate professional. They asked him clearly after two weeks when the film was not making money, he released this video where he's like, "I love playing Indiana Jones. <laughs> I love people coming to see it or whatever." But he wasn't that into it. Um, like he only went back and. Um, he like he had to be begged to go back to Star Wars because he wasn't contractually obliged to do so. Fair. And he only went back upon the agreement, supposedly, that you kill me in this movie. That was so that's why that happens bizarrely in that script, by the way. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think that, that poor lad's to blame, I think. And it's very funny as well, because before the movie was released, the, the press on Disney was all. Uh, yeah, no, this will not be the last Indiana Jones adventure. And then two months after I left cinemas, you know, the official statement <laughs> from Bob Iger is, yeah, that's the last Indiana Jones adventure. Uh, well, I mean, what there. else would they do now? They, it's, uh, they bring they bring back Phoebe Waller-Bridge for another one. They killed off Shia LaBeouf. He died in Vietnam. Uh, that's yeah, a weird yeah, that was, choice. That was that, uh, no, they just let, let him be. Leave him it's be. terrible, though. But, man, I'll tell you what. Poor guy. Like, I'll tell you what's got to be one of... I say that too much, but... When let's say just when you arrive in in '69 and Harrison Ford's this grumpy old man, and let's say somebody was to take that that scenario on with genuine heart, I wouldn't be not interested in seeing that movie. But it's done so cynically and in a silly manner, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, why is he a, an alcoholic? He was never a heavy drinker in the other movies. To be fair, his son died in Vietnam. Isn't that what it's all about? I agree it could be done so much better. Mangold actually said this film was similar to Logan, which I guess you could argue in, in as much it could as have been. I would say it could have been. With people yeah, yeah. in it. It could have been. I mean, Logan's but... great. Logan is such I a love good Logan. film. That's yeah. how you should cover the, the old man falling on hard times. Yeah, yeah. At the, at the end of his life, kind of going, what does it all mean? Where am I going? But the, uh, and that getting back to it to finish on this film, and we'll get to the end again. The scene where they're flying towards that fucking hole in the sky. I felt you <laughs> felt. I felt like you. There, there's a moment there where he says to the guys, 
this is not what you think it is. And it was real good acting from Harrison Ford in that moment. And it feels like there's real, there's something, there's something seismic going to mm. happen here. And I think it pays off in the way that Indiana Jones had paid off beforehand. Like as in, in the older movies, like when they open the arc in Raiders. Yeah, Again, yeah, yeah. I watched Raiders the next day. Wild shit happens. But I almost think in Raiders, Spielberg uses that, that Jaws principle just all over again, which is that like, don't show shit for the whole time. So when it blasts up in magic, it's going to be believable. And it actually works in Raiders. It works in Temple of Doom. It works in uh, Last Crusade. And then when they got to Crystal Skull, it was a CGI fuckfest. He survived a nuclear bomb by stand- by sitting inside a fridge. As and in this, uh, it was... It, it, I'll tell you what. If, they had, if it, Steven Spielberg had directed this without the advent of CGI, you would have believed the time travel at the end. He would have made it work. Yeah, I agree. That's fair. That's fair. All right. We, we talked 50, we made it 15 minutes on this. We've done our 15 All minutes. Right. Hey, I just have one more question about this. Where does this go in your ranking? It's four difficult, for me. Difficult to tell because I haven't watched Crystal Skull since the cinema. Um, I think I might have seen that twice. But for that me, that's worse four. Than this. For me, this oh, is four. Okay, I would say okay, that, okay. I would say that was the worst. Uh, to me, it's a little bit immaterial, um, but in terms of the other Indiana Jones it's Raiders movies, and then Last Crusade and then Temple of Doom, no? A slight disagree, no. I would say it's Raiders, Temple of Doom, and no. then Last Crusade. Come on now. Last Crusade's great fun. Ah, we're doing it in the wrong order. My number one is Raiders. Yes. And then Last Crusade is my number two. And then Temple uh, my, of Doom. No, no, no. My number two is... They yeah. Go, yeah, yeah. You're wrong. But You're wrong. I, I would say I think I think of them all as five-star movies. Like genuinely, one, I think one, they're all... one, two, and three. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, they're yeah. all perfect. I, I uh, literally Temple of Doom's not perfect for me, but I, I mean, it's still, it's just so weird it's and m- dark. It's it's a myth, rep- it's orient orientalization of Indian <laughs> that's culture. How, that's how I feel about it. It's, I don't exactly like the way right. they represent the chakra cultures. Yeah, yeah, I know. Why were they? Eating I like, do you not like short round? Head? Do you not like? Sh- do you not like short round? Yeah, sure. When he's everywhere and everything all at once and all that. He's great. You call him Dr. Jones, lady. Anyway, um, that would be num- my number four of uh, the four we've decided Agreed. to cover today. I agree. I think it's the worst of the four films, and I didn't enjoy going to the cinema to watch it. I think you made the right choice. Uh, no, the, the, Disney Plus. the next three, I saw each Okay, so I'm cinema. choosing the next one. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've, I did see all of these in the cinema, in fairness, and this one was the last one that I watched. I bought two i bought tickets for this twice before and didn't go Jesus because for Christ. a series of horrible things happened that i couldn't go i had to go to hospital one of the times not for me but like one of my colleagues um was in a bad way and i had to uh, go to hospital with them so i missed out on seeing this i did eventually get around seeing it mission worst Impossible. colleague ever exactly forced me to miss uh, mission impossible dead reckoning mission impossible dead reckoning that's now- my number three and that's your number three in order of what you like the best. Yes, I'm saying this yeah. is the third best of these four. Now I would move, shuffle this one up in the list. I'll well, I'll say I'm assuming Barbie would be your three then. Yes, Barbie would be my fair. three. That's fair. Um, but honestly, I, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of this franchise. I do. And this film disappointed me slightly. I'll yeah. have to say I enjoyed it a lot but nowhere near as much as I've enjoyed uh, previous entries in the franchise. Nowhere near. Yeah, I would agree. Well, I mean, it's better than Mission Impossible 2. It's certainly better than Mission Impossible 2. But I don't know uh, if it's better than 3. I like no, 3. I would, I would disagree with you. I would say it's better than 3. Only slightly, though. I would not say it's better than 4. It's definitely uh, it's definitely not better than 5 or 6. To give the rundown through them, if I, if I may. May I? <laughs> you may go. All right, so the Mission Impossibles used to be this fabulously interesting franchise. Fuck it, it still is. It's still an interesting thing. But the most interesting thing for it used to be, oh, wow, they have a very interesting director with a very distinct eye every time. So the first one is Brian De Palma, and it's the most Brian De Palma shit you ever saw. Same with the second one by John Woo. It's the most John Woo movie ever. <laughs> Slow motion. There's doves and doves. shit. It's, it's nuts. Uh, the third stuff. is... 
Yeah, the third is the most J.J. Abrams movie ever. There's a like an unknowable yeah. evil object and all the, of this. Uh, rabbit's food, which no one knows why it is or does, and it's not yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, then the the fourth one, directed by Brad Bird, Ghost somehow Protocol? has a finale like a Pixar movie. <laughs> like genuinely, I really like that one. It's a great. It's very it's good. Film. It's very good. Then for me, they my favorite one is the one after it's that. Isn't that, that Ghost Nation? Ghost Nation. Ghost I think Nation? my Ghost Nation is my favorite, but a close like second Fallout. behind that is Fallout. I think Fallout has the best villain of the series with Henry best Cavill. Best mustache of the yeah, series. Yeah, but I also think Sean Harris's villain is really good. But we get along to this. Two major issues I have with it. Three. First of all, missing a good villain. I don't think it has one. Enemy of the show, John Spillane, doesn't th- this is his favorite of the franchise. Uh, he doesn't think Sean Harris uh, was a good villain with Solomon Lane. I, I I think he really was. I just did not buy this um, Latin American douchebag who worships Gabriel. the AI. Yeah, not a fan. Isai Morales. Come on. He's got then, a great beard. What the hell? That ain't no beard. Second, the idea of just a AI as the bad guy. Uh, just riled against me a little bit. It's like AI is baddie can be done well. Uh, I recommend, as I've recommended many times before, Jonathan Nolan's Person of Interest, especially yes, season have. three to five. If you want to see bad AI done well, then check out Person of Interest. I just started watching it again, actually. It wasn't done well here, though, was it? No, but that's what I mean. Like I yeah, feel yeah, yeah. I've seen it covered better. Here it felt like they were just going into it, going like, "Ooh, what would happen in that case?" And I'm like, "No, I think like like Nolan thought about it a lot more." And it, uh, yeah, I don't know where they're going to go with it in the second film, but it was a bit like, "Eh." What's so fascinating about the way they made the the first two Macquarie movies? If you hear, because Christopher Macquarie directed, yeah, the last two and this one, it, when you hear the him interviewed about them, it's this insane filmmaking style of just making it up as you go along. And just deciding what the stunt is going to be next. And I feel with the extra effort to, um, I don't know, plant a real world meaning in the middle of this, they kind of undermine that, which had worked so well for them. And then just to name the third thing that didn't work for me. After that, I'll say all the stuff that did work for me. But the third thing that didn't work for me is the great stunt in this movie. And then it just ends with him randomly smashing through the window of the train. <laughs> yeah. That was the fucking stupidest thing ever. That he's was supposed that to be really annoyed really, me. I, yeah, he's supposed to be really good at what he's doing, right? He's not supposed to like come crashing through the through the wall, going like, "Oh yeah." But like, the th- you didn't. That would have worked if there. Let's say there was been there was some tracer where he could tell where on the train that person was, and he could aim for that specific no, window. It was a complete random accident that just worked in his favor, which again is yeah, it does. It which I would work. imagine is was something to do with the fact that this. It must have been the stunt didn't work out the way they wanted it. To. You think so? Hmm. Because he's been so precise with other things, and they're quite precise in the franchise in general, particularly since movie three. John Woo didn't pay much attention to that kind of shit, to be fair. I don't know. I feel like it was more they were trying to make a point of like, it's kind of failing in a way, like things are not working out the way that they used to. Maybe because um, he's ganged, you know, the next film's possibly going to be the last one. And One other thing I didn't like, actually, just remembered, I didn't like the fact that they... um retconned in that all the members of the MIF were formerly kind of criminals or something. Um, oh, and they all got they all got offered the choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I didn't like that. I thought Whereas that was some people should just have been high up in the CIA or something, or, you know, they were special forces and eventually yeah, someone yeah, said, yeah. hey, just, do you want to join this group of spies? And like introducing then that guy Gabriel into Hunt's backstory was a bit silly too. Mm. Parts of it that I liked. I loved the ghost story type sequence with the villain or the CIA guy from movie one when Hunt gasses them all. Oh, the start. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I liked all of the uh, airport stuff worked for me. I thought that was great. Yes, and even the shot of Cruz running along the top of the airport at the end. I loved that. I thought that was really cool. So silly because he's what's what's he doing? What are we doing with there? But it's good. But that like that shot is. Like, yeah, that's it's, why it's you're what, at a Mission Impossible movie. It's yeah, what it's exactly. all about. Uh, I thought Hayley Atwell was great, genuine. I She's thought she solid. was really, really good. I th- I was surprised by uh, Ilsa's death. Uh, spoilers for Mission Impossible, spoilers obviously, obviously folks. Will say, I'll say uh, that at the start, no worries. What about running was... through the streets of Venice? That was a bit, I don't know. 
I wasn't I wasn't on board with that whole section. I thought it was shot in a strange way. I remember thinking yeah, that. Yeah. There's been such great attention to detail with making the city streets seem real in other movies in this franchise. And that seemed oddly like a set, yeah. even though I'm sure they shot it in Venice. I'm sure they did. Well, I mean, this film was heavily affected by like COVID shutdowns. Obviously, this is where we mm, got that. That's true. That's true. That footage of Cruz screaming at the crew. Which I was on his side for that to be. I agree. Yeah, 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 fair yeah. play. Um, Wear a mask. I thought the the uh, the car chase was excellent. Really, really good, actually. I don't you know how like I feel it. about like uh, Paul, what's her name, driving the uh, driving like a maniac through the streets of Rome. I don't know, Clementi. Ah. Yeah, I don't. No, know I, I I quite liked the car chase. I thought it was really good, and I loved loved my favorite sequence in the movie. Give me anything mysterious happening on a Russian submarine. I'm there. I thought the opening was fantastic. I was, uh, as a matter of fact, the opening probably raised my expectations too high. I enjoyed the opening so much. Didn't mind that they were speaking English for some reason. Well, because... but they they uh, did that thing where they're speaking Russian and then yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they did the, the switch. switch. They did the switch. Yeah. It was fine. I was like, okay, I get. It. I see what you're doing. I see what it was still doing, an, It was still a very enjoyable day at the cinema. I'll say that it was fine. It was absolutely fine. How long was it? About two and a half hours or something? Oh, it's longer. It's that's a, that, no, that's another thing. It's it's a stretch too long. It's nearly three hours. The budget was two hundred and ninety one, and it made five hundred and sixty three point seven. Oof, that's not enough. It's not good. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the hit that they were hoping it would be. And it's a part one of two, so who knows whether the second one. What what's the stunt in the second one? I've no idea. Has there been anything publicized? Maybe not. I I only I'm remember the thing about the train. I did enjoy sure. the train scene of uh, yes falling off the edge of the off yeah of the, the uh, bridge. Everything before he um, smashed into the window was great, and everything after also. The tension was there yeah. with the train going down with the but that was just so stupid. Um, the tra- the and you know what the fight on top of the train as opposed to Indiana Jones was thrilling yeah, really really edgier seat stuff yeah yeah it was really good but yeah um it, that would still place higher for me than barbie well for a play i guess we go to barbie next then huh uh well unless you got anything else to say on mission no i enjoyed it well enough um it just feels like they're kind of running out of ideas maybe they should be wrapping these films up do you know what man mission like the last two missions, the last two Christopher Quarry mo- movies and um, the first mission movie, I'll put them on an, on a whim anytime. <laughs> I have no desire to watch this again. I anytime. haven't watched them that much, yeah, any yeah. of the Mission Impossible films. I Three, I think I've watched quite a few times. That's really watchable to me. Huh. Well, I'll tell you what, Seymour Hoffman crushes yeah, in that movie. Yeah, he's great in that movie. It um, wasn't actually him, though. It was someone wearing a mask. That's right, yeah. In the, va- in the Vatican. In mask, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just some guy in the Vatican. Probably all right. I'll, I, so we'll talk about Barbie next, uh, but I'll cha- I'll challenge you to talk about Barbie first. How would you feel about Barbie? Uh, I My expectations were extremely low. Um, I'm a big fan of Greta Gerwig. Mine I've were confused. Always, I've always liked her. Me too. Um, she. This is her fourth film. I have not uh, seen her first one was Nights and Weekends. You heard of that? I, no, no. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. At I all. thought Lady Bird was her first film. Lady Bird's her second film. And then Did Little Woman. That. I enjoyed Lady Bird and Little Woman a lot. Uh, she also yeah. wrote Frances Ha and uh, is, Mis- Mistress America. I love Frances Ha. Mistress America is pretty good, but I, I love I haven't seen Frances either of those. I still haven't seen them. I've been meaning to watch Frances Ha forever. I just can't get around to it. She was in Greenberg, which is, I'm a huge, huge yes. fan of Greenberg. Are you? That's so it. interesting. Yeah, I love that. Why do I you like it. it so much? Let's talk like... about Greenberg. Not enough people have seen this movie. I've let me just state my opinion plainly. For the, I love Greenberg. Uh, Greenberg also. I've seen it twice. I think. Yeah. And the re- I've seen and it a couple I, of times at least. I think this. The reason I watched it the second time. I, I watched it the second time probably a week after I watched it the first time because I was trying to tell people about it. I was like. You don't understand. They've just made this movie about this guy that's unbearable. And they slightly explore why he's unbearable. But it's not a forgiving movie. You don't like him at the end. No. Greenberg is a nuts But it feels real. It feels real. I don't know. There's something about this. So it's a guy, uh, the Greenberg uh, character is this guy who 
he was in a band when he was in his early 20s yes and he turned and down then, a record deal yeah, and, and they just all never his friends hate him and, and he's yeah. a he's a recovering cocaine addict yeah, who relapses yeah. in the course of the movie dickhead. just a total yeah. dickhead he's so and the way he treats greta gerwig's character who's the only person who's kind of rooting for him in the movie is deplorable but and actually, Noah Baumbach has one other movie like this. They could actually work as a very depressing double bill together. Have you seen Margot at the Wedding? The Nicole no. one? Like that's also ex- like this is just a mentally ill person that this movie is about. But anyway, continue on Barbie. I want to hear about uh, what you think on Barbie. So I went to the cinema to see this. And Me too. And there was a lot of pink. There was a lot of ladies uh, dressed oh, in pink. I'll just have to jump in right on this. So... When I was leaving the cinema for this is when I started getting bad vibes for Barbie. When I was leaving the screening of Mission Impossible, Barbie was emptying at the same time. And there was just loads of girls in pink and gay dudes in pink walking out, linking arms just on a big parade. And I was just there thinking, oh, this is I'm on the other side of uh, Barbenheimer. I (laughs) I want to see Oppenheimer, but I'm going to have to go to this. Anyway, because my wife wanted to see it, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's slightly cynical uh, marketing ploy, but it certainly worked. I don't know. I'm, I think my expectations were extremely low. And I, I was worried in the first five minutes because I was like, this feels like a Lego movie, like absolute carbon copy. copy. We're just going through like the same beats. Are you not a fan of the Lego movie? I am, but that was done really well. I really yes. like the Lego movies. Yes, me too. But yeah, this just felt like we were, you know, there's like a song playing over the top and it's the, you know, they're like making up the lyrics of what's going on, like what's happening on screen. I was like, I don't know. I feel like this I didn't think it at stronger. the time, but I think that is actually kind of a Lego movie ripoff now that you mention it. Yeah, because but it's it. just like a day in the life. Everything's perfect, yeah. but, or, or is it? Everything is not quite what it seems. But when they introduce Gosling, I think Gosling's Ken is what kind of rips the whole thing, like really gets it going. He's and when excellent. they travel to the travel to the real world, uh, yeah, there's there's lots of fun to be had when he understands the uh, situation of men. Okay, I think this movie is probably for about sixty percent of the time pretty funny. Not really funny. Not like yeah, like, I think that's but it's fair. Pr- it's pretty yeah. funny. It's absolutely fine. I think what lets it down in a huge way is if it had been willing to laugh at women in the same way that it laughs as men, it would be nudged closer to something kind of like Anchorman or Austin Powers, both of which are movies that are ridiculous, but actually when you think about them, kind of make subtle social points. Particularly Anchorman about sexism, like, okay, Austin Powers less so, I'm stretching with that. But... They're ridiculous fully the way through. And the the big, like, number one, it's sadly ironic that one of the tropes that people constantly unfairly throw at women is that they're not funny and uh, the women aren't funny in this movie. Um, you don't think so? No, I don't. Not on board. Margot Robbie's good. She's solid. She's good, but they give her nothing to work with. She's good because, yeah, because she's, she's a great actress. straight woman, I guess. But that's the problem. Couldn't they have made her funny? Well, they gave all the heavy lifting over to Gosling. Exactly, that's the point. That's See, what I'm that's saying. Pro- okay, let's have a hang on. Let's go. They through give the women else. three. Who are the other women? Who are the other women? Your favorite actress and mine too, Kate McKinnon. Who I didn't hate in this. Actually, I'll <laughs> she's say actually that. all right. This is the best yeah, yeah, I've yeah. seen her in anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think she's well suited to that role. To be honest. To be honest, um, I don't really recognize the names of many. I like many of the Barbie ladies. I don't actually know who they are. America Ferrara didn't get any real comedy to do. Rhea Perlman, I guess, got a tiny bit as uh, Ruth Handler, the co-founder of Mattel. Helen Mirren had a joke in there. She had a joke. Remember that? But what about like then just yeah? Okay, the, okay. In the last, play, in the last thirty I'm reading minutes, through all of the uh, actresses, and I'm like, I don't see a lot there. In the last thirty minutes, there's the, there's like three boring ass five minute fucking speeches about feminism. Like, fuck off. I'm sorry, like, I get it. This is the point they wanted to make with the movie, but I'm sorry. Just make it more skillfully. Just, like, I don't know, have the guts to, like, laugh at your protagonist as well. Personally, for all all that I enjoyed the Gosling sequences, particularly towards the end where they have the five big-ass preachy speeches... I was like, oh, fuck this movie. I re- it really bugged me um, for a finish. Um, I think I checked out in those last 
few minutes. I think I how could you? I, I think everybody I've seen, did. I've seen a lot of pushback against that kind of speech and uh, like Ruth. Three speeches. God there are three speeches. Okay. Okay. But I think, to be honest, I was kind of like, I've had my fun with the film. I'm not going to really pay attention to these last few three minutes or so. I'll give it one final point that I would like to I would like to make about it. And my wife agreed agreed with me on this. We talked to people who said, "Go to it. It's so funny, etc." And then afterwards, See, I, never I say that. Afterwards, I asked people whose opinion I would trust about their experiences in the screening. Now, our screening was sold out, and everybody who I talked to, their screening was sold out as well. Yeah, and I've, I went to sold out screening too. I've been in the cinema for a sold out comedy that has people laughing their balls off. And I said to Belen afterwards, I was like, and you know what? No matter what people say, people were not laughing that much at that movie. They were not. They can say what they want afterwards, but they fucking weren't. And I asked other people <laughs> and they had the similar experience. Now, I'll name a few movies that I've been in that people were bored at. I can't remember people being so catatonic in a movie as uh, Walk Hard, Dewey Cox. People were losing their fucking minds watching that movie when I watched it in the cinema. Oddly, but maybe you'll agree with me, but Observe and Report, uh, with the crowd I watched really? Observe and Report, wow. we had a great time. That's very um, controversial. Superbad, people were super losing bad, their minds. Yeah, Superbad was like, you know, massively popular. Yeah, yeah, I saw what loads of them. Zoolander 2, people were losing their minds. People were not... Losing their fucking minds laughing at this, no matter what but they sure, say. You're, you're talking about, are these all things that you watched in Spain? You saw this in Spain, I imagine, right? Did you? I saw this in Spain, yeah. Right, so I mean, you're... This is a few point that you're about to how make. How many yeah. people in the audience speak English, like yeah, natively? Yeah, yeah. That's No, I, well, I'll say this. At the screening we went to, fucking everyone. It was Fair all play. people from the yeah, UK yeah, and yeah. Ireland. Okay. Fair um, enough. No, I mean, I, I know what you mean. I mean... I feel like there were some people who really wanted to like this. Yes. Like they've made yeah, yeah. a point of like over laughing. We've, you know, you've heard it fucking like shows and stuff before and like open mics and things is like, and you know what? It's not just to make a great point of like, I'm having a good, I'm going to have a good time of this. You know what? It, for me, like, even though I enjoyed the movie, I remember when I, cause I worked in a cinema the month that this movie came out and I heard people, uh, pineapple express. Like I like that movie. It, yeah. but, but Rogan and Franco were on the end of such a good run that I felt people wanted it to be something different than it was. Plus, and it's like all... a stoner comedy as well. So you're going to get like stoner guys in there going like, this shit's hilarious. And fucking what else? There was uh, The Hangover. The Hangover movies are not that funny. Oh, yeah, I don't give no, a fuck. Great. That's another one. I remember watching the first Hangover film and people were absolutely loving it. And, and you were just thinking, this is like, not eh, that it's funny. Fine. I thought it was, yeah, it's okay. But now you've kind of talked me a bit out of Barbie. I had, I mean, I had like fun. I had more fun watching Barbie than I did watching uh, MI6 or whatever it is. You know what? I probably did too. I'll say that. It's just a more fun experience. There's a a lot of nice, fun, wacky bits in there. Michael Sarah's good. That's true. Will Ferrell's okay. uh, Do you know what, actually? It's unfortunate for the women in it that Will Ferrell is in it because he's just too fucking funny, in my opinion. He's just, he, I don't know. Will Ferrell's not for everybody. By the look on your face, he's not for you. But for me, Will Ferrell can fucking no, I, say anything. No, I think he is, or he was. Maybe he's been going too long now. That I thought this was better than some other things I've seen him in over the last five to ten years. There was obviously sure. like peak Ferrell in yes. like sort of 2000 to... 2010-ish or sorry around then what what I, I think the best example of when Ferrell is doing what he does best is when he's Mufasa in Austin Powers and he gets burnt in the chamber <laughs> and he's just doing that elongated suffering yeah, yeah, thing yeah, it's yeah. like I'm alive but I'm I'm very badly burned <laughs> and then the door opens oh you shot me <laughs> why did you shoot me right in the yeah. arm yeah. Uh, yeah I think he's great he's um, classic Ferrell all right, so no argument on the number one then. No, but let me just say about Barbie. Let me give you the budget and made on this one. Budget oh, around one hundred and thirty to one hundred and fifty, yeah. and uh, it made one point four billion. One point four billion, man. That pink marketing thing. Holy hell! What a success. Yeah, I mean, if you do want something fun to read on the Barbie Wikipedia, go to the uh, censorship section and read about all the places where you can't watch Barbie. <laughs> Oh, go on, give me some. 
one of their things is about the nine dash line. There's a nine dash line controversy about the uh, the maritime border running through the South China Sea. So I think it's like pro China, and some other countries are a bit pissed off about that one. The movie is pro China. The Philippines and、uh, Vietnam got pissed off because of this line, which is like marked on the South on China Sea. Yeah, at some point they showed it on a map, <laughs> and、God、apparently it's, it's super dodgy. Get a life, Philippines and Vietnam. No,、uh, to, to, to cut that. <laughs> that was their problem. They had a problem with that.、Uh, Pakistan and various places in the Middle East had problems with it.、Um, hmm. One of them was it's alleged that it shows homosexuality. Does it? And I, apparently so. I didn't notice. I mean, there was plenty of homosexuals in my screen, man. Uh, promoting homosexuality and sexual transformation and contradicting values of faith and morality. Yeah, definitely did that. Yeah. So I mean, you wouldn't notice that kind of thing because you're a, a hun.、Um, sure. But、uh, I did. I sure did. This film、uh, promotes homosexuality and other Western deviances and does not comply with Algeria's religious and cultural beliefs. So there you go.、Hmm. And it still made 1.4 billion. Hell yeah. So there you go. Barbie crushing it. Yeah, I don't know. Written by、uh, Gerwig with her husband.、Uh, yeah, Noah Beebeck. Yeah. Um, and he, she says that she just wants to make big budget movies now. That's what she wants to well, do. Well, good luck to her. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, I wasn't annoyed about this. I know people who were annoyed about it, but I was just. I suppose my general feeling is, yeah, guys, big deal. It's. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's ridiculous that it became essential for me to go and see the Barbie movie. But that's the times we live in. Did it become essential? You were kind of you had your arm twisted a bit, but you enjoyed. No,、it. but I mean to it was to, you, sort, to be in the kind was, of it was a cult, water cooler cultural, conversation. Cultural conversation, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. I see what you mean. Yeah, it was. It was definitely more than indie, more than、about. any other film on this list. Actually, I would say I, I'd agree. Speaking of budgets,、uh, Oppenheimer only cost a hundred million. It cost less than Barbie, and it Now, made eight hundred and ninety-one. So I was looking for one. One, you know what? One great thing about Barbie and Oppenheimer both fuck it together.、Um, Mission Impossible less so because it's part of a franchise, but fuck it, it. I'll loop this in there too. Those three movies were made with genuine gusto and no cynicism, and their original pro-、uh, projects. And they crushed it at the box office, which goes to show audiences aren't just the dummies that everybody, including you and me, think they are. Like audiences want to see decent original things. And Oppenheimer is—I'll tell you what. I, there was there's a certain girl that I worked with who went to see Oppenheimer before me, and she—I heard her saying to somebody, "It was kind of boring. It was just loads of guys talking <laughs> about、sorry. stuff." And I listened. Men in like, a room talking. I, I got a movie erection because I'm there going like. <laughs> When that type of person says a movie is boring, it makes, I, I, as you know well, it makes people. Oh, really? This, this one is one for me. Tell me more. So I loved Oppenheimer. I, if one thing, the one tiny criticism I would put at it is, I understand. I understand why he does the time jumping in this biopic. I to kind of give a whole picture of the life. I think that's his logic in it. But I think this story is so long and complex that. It might have been better done just linear. I read the book. I well listened to the audio book of the book it's based on, American Prometheus, which is really good. That's done chronologically. I knew all the names, and I still had trouble with all the names. There's the a、movie. lot. There's a lot of characters. There's so many. If you look at the cast list, there's like about four hundred actors in it. But it's a it's a pretty straightforward biopic in in many ways, and yet yeah, it has all、fantastic. those other elements cut in together. How many times have you seen it? By the way, twice. Me too. I saw it in、um, IMAX the first time. I saw it in a regular screen in Ireland, and then a big fat phenomena over here just to get、yeah. in a big screen. I do genuine. I think it's fantastic. It's you will know the way I'm using this word. Hopefully, our audience will too. It's it's an adult movie. Like it's serious. It, it, you, it's like the wire. You got to lean in and pay attention if you want to understand what they're trying to say. Because there's the chronological story, but then there's also, I mean, the title of the biography it's based on, American Prometheus, will tell you tell you all you need to know. But you also need to know who Prometheus was. Like, it's not an easy movie to Which understand. They tell you in the film, do they not? Yes, they、like、do. There's they... at least like a card or something at the they start. They do. They... 
Prometheus I mean, so far from the gods. But I'll tell you what, if you don't know about, for example, if you don't know what the House of Un-American Activities is, good luck with this movie, quite frankly. I don't like you you need to you need to know a bit going in. Um like I went with my dad who had a like is a, a good a card card carrying communist. He is a card carrying communist, so he knew all about this. He knew what a fellow traveler was. Mm-hmm. Certain incidents in the the film depicted quite like I read them in the book. Some inspired pieces of casting. I, I'll tell. Can you guess who my favorite was? I, I wonder if it's your favorite too. I I liked uh, Casey Affleck. As a Best thing in the movie. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> Something about his eyes. So Something's scary. Got like like a doll's eyes. Like there you go, the devil's eyes. Uh, but there you go. Like, like, how good is that performance? The other people I had for shout outs, Hartnett and Damon. I mean, Hartnett. I mean, obviously back, Murphy. Like, what the hell? I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, that goes without saying. That's yeah. like, surely that's like a lock. That's like, you know, Oscar nomination at, as a minimum. I'd say he's uh, going to win. Benny Safdie is extremely wet. Uh, Branna's <laughs> Branna. Uh, Jason Clark playing like a just an arsehole. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich, audience surrogate. So yeah, good yeah. because, I mean, after Solo and a few other things, he wasn't doing that well. Lawrence Pugh is quite sexy in this movie. I don't know. I'm not, I wasn't a fan. Here's really? my, biggest, my biggest criticism of the film, which is probably. I got like, hard watching this movie, like, honestly. <laughs> that's good for you. My biggest criticism of the film is probably like a kind of general Nolan criticism, but. Anytime, okay. any apart from the scene where um, Emily Blunt is in the court, not court, but you know, what I mean, that little whatever that was where she makes her speech and she's like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't care for your yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. She's good. Every, yeah, every Everyone's other, good. but every other scene where where there's a woman talking is not good, though. Yeah. Like there's a scene where her, when she yeah, goes out like on the ridge talking to Killian Murphy, they're like out in the middle of nowhere and just having like a back and forth, which is very much like, it's just too sharp and too smart arse answers. It's, I couldn't stand that scene at all. As ever, Nolan's biggest uh, weakness is his dialogue. Yeah. I'll say that. There are moments in it that made me go, ah, Jesus. But also that sequence after the bomb goes off and he's making the speech in the town hall, and the sound is yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it so effective. People screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just, so effective. Um, and then someone kind of looks like they're they're like partying or and they're hugging and then they're kind of crying and then oh, vomiting you know the, outside. You know the best scene in the, that I that that's real. That happened. That uh, like the, like basically the town. Everyone celebrated initially, and then the town uh, when they dropped the bomb, it was supposed to be another big party. And just people just started realizing the gravity of what the yeah. and you would just be serially vomiting. Other people, like you know, just like nowadays, other other people just digging so far into the other side, calling the the vomiting people pussies and fucking traitors and shit like that. Um, but uh, you know, it's a great scene, and for its veracity as well. But it's also funny, and I don't know, the scene where he meets um, Truman. Yeah, like that's. That's how that went down, apparently. Yeah. Like, just get, get this, this get fucking private. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, his reaction was, best. he hasn't got nearly as much blood in his hands as I do. Fuck this cunt. Almost but, every uh, second, or almost every second of the film has scoring behind it. Yeah, brilliant I mean, that's, that's classic, Nolan, but that just, I, I realized, like, I could pretty much watch anything if you put, <laughs> you put some music in the background. I well, could probably watch any. What's his chops? Um, yeah, Lud- Ludwig Göransson's score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's uh, honestly, I'll listen to scores. His scores don't. I don't. They don't gel with me much when I'm not watching the movie. But mm-hmm. when I, the, watching the particular movies they're used in, I, I always think they're fantastic. This Oppenheimer is no exception. I would watch this again. I think I would. I don't. I think I would hesitate. To watch it if I couldn't see it on a big screen again, though, because particularly the, the watching it with the big massive um, Dolby system and phenomena was just Dolby. And the actual the the detonation of the bomb, we haven't talked about that. Like that lives that lives up. That's as good as it should be, is what I mean. Like that that's a real. I don't know about neat. the choice to go for silence. 
Well, that's how it would have happened. I know, but have you seen the videos online? <laughs> I've seen videos of people going to screenings and farting when the bomb no, goes off. <laughs> oh, dude. Like timed I, farts. I try to be... Right. This, will leave, this, is, this is a good segue out of this. I have to tell <laughs> you this, and our listeners have to hear this. A very funny thing happened to me a half an hour ago. No, no, a half an hour before the podcast started. I tried to ring enemy of the show, John Spillane, uh, to tell him because I knew I'd be talking to you soon enough. But then when he didn't pick up, I said, I have to tell Andy. And now we've arrived at the perfect <laughs> moment to tell it. This is the perfect moment. So I was going to the supermarket. I got into the elevator at, uh, in my building <laughs> and I put it in my, my earpods, right? And, but I, I, um, you have a very, it's very small as well. It's like a, yes, a, yes. a tiny elevator, a tiny lift. I hadn't chosen what song I was going to put on yet or anything <laughs> like that. So I was just there looking down. And then on the fifth floor, this woman gets in, right? And she farts <laughs> loudly twice, right? And she kind of... Right, How old is she? She old enough to be very embarrassed, uh, like in her 60s. Okay. Um, and she starts kind of moving her feet slightly as if to cover up the noise in this weird way. And then... <laughs> I swear to God, this happened. And then I feel a fart bubbling up. <laughs> and I said, I said to myself, there is no, there, there is, there'll never be a better moment yeah, than this yeah, for yeah. something. So I just did a big fart and uh, <laughs> I didn't move my feet or anything, but my headphones were in. So she, so it's like, it was so perfect. <laughs> it was everything I could do not to laugh once I did the fart. And we both just left the elevator. Oh, God, it, that was so <laughs> funny. It was one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me. Yeah, you're I like know. responding. The, ah, uh, this was an eventful response. afternoon. Because then Good do you job. know what happened after this? I'll say this out loud on Did the podcast right piss, now. Go. No, I fucking, I went to the supermarket. And before when I was paying for my stuff, the guy asked me to go into the room and empty my bag. I was accused of shoplifting. <laughs> Good. But wait, wait for this. Wait for this. Wish for this. This is the worst part. He showed me a picture of me from like fucking two months ago in the supermarket with like looking like <laughs> shit with he said I was leaving with something under my arm. And he says, what's that under your arm? And I said, I don't know. This is from two months ago. And he like I, and then he was like, you're not emptying the bag properly. I said, you fucking empty it. So <laughs> anyway, um, this is a real thing that happened. I don't mind this going on in the podcast. Bon Preu San Andreu. They did this to me. <laughs> And uh, yeah, yeah, uh, eventually, uh, like, uh, but like, and you know what the thing that they've achieved with that is, is like, I, I, this isn't out of spite. I'm just going to be embarrassed to go back there because I've had to, like, I don't want to run into that guy again. It was weird. It was super weird. Wow. It's, this is, uh, I'm, it's only a matter of time until Nolan makes a film about you and you're, I think, uh, I think you should make a film about me and like yeah. flashback to when I actually shoplifted as a 12 year old. Yeah. Flash yeah. forward to when I'm fucking 35 and I'm, accused, I'm being accused yeah. by it. And I was like, will this never leave me behind? It was a, what was the, I, I used to shoplift a particularly type of ice cream with um, a guy called Rory Power. I'm going to send him this episode. Uh, Rory, you and I used to shoplift uh, golden tacos from Lucy's shop at the top of our road until one day we got caught and vowed to never shoplift again. And then we didn't do that again until we started smoking weed a few years later shoplifted some more but i've given up now for years i hope you have too but i got accused again recently so the past always catches up is what i'm saying rory uh anyway have we reached besides... the end of oppenheimer is there anything else to say what was your here i have one more question for you about oh, this what was your take on the it was a it's a young senator out of massachusetts john f kennedy how did you feel oh, about that right. line you know what it was that kind of movie it was fine it didn't bug me <laughs> did it bug you yeah, I didn't. But it it didn't bother me, but I just thought it was quite funny. I just thought it, it was like it, a funny, it, no, I, another Nolan thing to do. It 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 was like one of those things. A girl walked into his shop, and uh, you know they wouldn't serve her, but whatever. And she walked out and said, "I'll be blah 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 blah." And that girl was Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah. It was it was it was one of those kind of things. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it, do you know what? One part of the story that they left out, which I think I felt would have been better in, is they didn't. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. What's why do you think uh, Lee Straws? I think that's a, the Robert Downey right, Jr. The Downey, character. Yeah. Why we never did mentioned he him either? He was excellent. Yeah, he was. Uh, why? Why do you think he had it so in for Oppenheimer? I mean, aside from what's shown in the film. Yeah. No. 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 Which, no. No. 
Based on what's shown in the film. Based on what's shown in the film. That he was showing up at that whatever. Oh, he thought that he'd soured uh, Albert Einstein on him and he showed him up at the court hearing thing. See, the real reason was they just had some on-campus disagreements about because Oppenheimer was a real sort of a... He wanted to have like T.S. Eliot on the campus and have him do a thing and T.S. Eliot was disappointing, blah, blah, blah. It was just little campus disagreements. It was kind of like it was like two guys disagreeing over the air conditioning or something like that. They just hated each other in a very office kind of way. I like that which, ending. I did like the kind of uh, maybe the Einstein bit. Yeah, yeah, of the like. Yeah, it was good. Did it ever occur to you, sir, that maybe they were talking about something more important? Yeah, it's a solid reveal. I'm glad that you uh, we both agreed on Casey Affleck because I did find yeah. him fucking because terrifying. he was so different than how I've ever seen him before, and I I I really like I really like Casey Affleck. He's it one was of my such a artists, but yeah, me too. But it's such a measured performance what he does because the second you hear about that character and you know you're going to meet him, you know what you need to get from whatever actor is playing him. Yeah. And the second the camera pans around to reveal him and you see Affleck's face, you're like, whoa, Jesus, this guy's scary. <laughs> this guy is scary. Anyway, you have any anything more you'd like to talk about about what you watched this summer? Yeah, I mean, I could I could briefly mention Sound of Freedom. Maybe I should talk about that more oh, please, than... Uh... Please, please, please. I want to hear about this because I want to see it also, oh, to be man. honest. So if anyone doesn't know about Sound of Freedom, it's the, the uh, Tim Ballard biopic. Tim Ballard's the mad right-wing Mormon guy, who the kind of grafter who created uh, Operation Underground Railroad, which has uh, apparently saved hundreds of children from child slavery. And but his story's old... been ratified. Like that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know about that. I think that I listened to I listened to someone talking about that recently. Um, apparently that like a lot of the things he, that he claims happened basically didn't happen that way. Didn't happen the way that he claims it. Okay, fair enough. Go on anyway. And the film, the film is a bit mad. Um, it stars uh, my favorite actor from Person of Interest, Jesus. Mr. Yeah, Jesus himself. He. Uh, is working for like Homeland Security or something like that. And then sure. he catches this uh, pedophile and then is frustrated by the system. So ends up, he kind of tracks down, there's there's this lost kid and he ends up going down. If to, I was to get the rest of their family. Yeah, he goes down to like kind of track this kid and he ends up in Cartagena and um, goes through this this whole thing of like, very much like by the numbers going out to the middle of nowhere and like breaking into this camp and finding the kid and then taking them away but it's it is like such a weird film why the the main character has no conflict whatsoever like within themselves there's just there's they're like the most pure-hearted they have no conflict with their with he has no conflict with his wife he just leaves. He like quits his job and he's like, okay, I'm going to go down to, you know, to like search for this kid. And like, fuck, he's got, he's got like seven kids of his own and he just fucks off and like goes off to, to search for this lost child. Is it um, a good movie? No, it's not. You didn't like it? No, I thought it was very, I thought it was very poor. Why? Um, because I've heard both sides of this. So I have to it's see It's very this highly rated on um, IMDb, but yeah. There's just nothing to it. It's paper thin. There's basically no extras in in many of the scenes. Um, there's it's just yeah. It's just, there's just absolutely nothing to it. It's not thrilling at any point or anything. No, I mean there's like it's kind of what you would expect it to be. Because I've heard I've heard that basically it's an okay action film that gives itself I don't know enough room to deal with the seriousness of the topic that it's talking about. Now, the most neutral review I've read is from a rag that I feel has absolute gone to dog shit in the last few years, Empire Magazine. But they gave it a three-star review, and it seemed fair because they were saying it's not a culture war piece of propaganda, but neither is it at the saving grace of cinema. Yeah, I think that's the biggest problem is it doesn't lean into anything. Yeah, It's very kind of middle of the road. Because it's either people saying it's a terrible pile of shit and it's evil or people saying it's the greatest movie ever. And it is neither of those things. I wouldn't say See, it's awful. That. It's not terrible. It's just, there's just nothing to it. It's like paper thin. Fair enough. I am still going to probably have to watch it 
just to uh, this always happens to me when things get like I read Fifty Shades of Grey. I knew I wasn't going to like it, but I just had to because everyone was fucking reading it. So I'll have to see this at some point and have an opinion on it. And I'll give it to you. But it sounds like you're landing around where I had predicted I would land, which is silly. I, do you know what? I wish I didn't have to watch this because it sounds like it's just an OK movie that got caught up in something because uh, Jim Cavey's zeal said something about adrenochrome at a conference. He also that's... makes a speech at the end of the film. There's I've like heard a about message. that. I've heard that. I've heard that's really goofy. There's like a little countdown clock. It counts down from two minutes and then he makes a speech which says like the most important thing that you can do is tell your friends that this is a good film and to come and see it because that will that will help like trafficked children. Man, it makes oh. no sense whatsoever, but it works as like a kind of Christian pay it forward. People have been paying it forward at cinemas. Movies made a lot of money. Yeah, it's made a shit ton of cash. So what was I, the other movie you wanted to talk about too. again? I, I also went to see uh, the Equalizer three. Ah, uh, so, yeah. Now I love yeah. Equalizer one and two, um, and love I'm not is not a strong word for me there. I think they're really fun, well directed films. I like the first one a lot more than the second. Yeah, I, I like it more. A lot more would um, imply I didn't like the second, and I did like the second. I just think Denzel is great, and I think he's Antoine great fun watching him doing kill it. people. Yeah. Just and how is three is in Italy, isn't it's it? It's in Italy. It does avoid most of the cliches that you would be worried about of like a Hollywood film set in Europe. Uh, it's not too bad on that front. It's a man on fire reteaming here. Oh yeah, Dakota Fanning's in it. Yeah, she's in yeah. it as well. So you've got those two back together. One of my favorite again. Denzel so she's movies. All grown up. Yeah, that's a solid performance too. I'd, I'd say this is this is almost a good film. It's two thirds of a good film, and then it just kind of runs out of steam towards the end. But it, it gives you exactly what you're hoping for. Like a bunch of mafia guys start on him and he hunts them down and murders them one by one. So, like for yeah. me, the, the, the second movie has its failings, but that opening scene on the train in Saudi Arabia, do you remember that? No, I have no recollection of the second movie. Oh, it's movie. so fantastic. I remember like a big fight at like a house at the end, like, a, like someone's. Yeah, beach yeah, house. yeah. That's about all I remember. No, the opening scene is um, he goes into the bar to get tea because he's a proper Muslim. And um, then uh, the uh, all these boys are there having booze, even though you shouldn't because, you know, whatever. But they're corrupt Muslims. And then he says, yeah, you've kidnapped this la- this girl. She's in there and I know it. Blah, blah, blah. And then he does his watch thing and just <laughs> demolishes the whole. Oh, it's fantastic. I love the opening of that. I haven't seen anything else new. But I saw something that I had been uh, putting off for a long old while, and I said I'd want to give it a shout out because I do think this movie will see its day um, eventually, which is the Cormac McCarthy scripted, Ridley Scott directed movie. Oh yeah, movie, The Counselor. The Counselor. I just want to give it its due because I remember everyone shouting it when it came out, and um, honestly. One of the reasons might be because so many famous people wanted it. And I think probably because it's Cormac McCarthy's script. I think that was the like Brad, like Brad Pitt's in a fucking halfway part. You know what I mean? He's barely in it. Uh, no, yeah, but it's at the same like, so you got Brad Pitt, Penelope Cruz, Michael Cameron Fassbender, Diaz, right? She's Javier Bardem, Cameron Diaz, who's brilliant in it, actually. But the thing is, it's like, there's a reason Ridley Scott jumped on this script and there's a reason all the actors did. And it's because Cormac McCarthy, he's my favorite writer and he's brilliant. And there's one or two bits of quite patchy dialogue that both uh, get uttered, have to be uttered by um, Michael Fassbender. But generally speaking, it it has the sort of aimlessly violent, but destiny orientated feel of McCarthy's books. It's like just it's inevitable when you're dancing with the devil. So it's about Michael Fassbender's character who you never learn his name. The whole, everybody in the movie calls him counselor, which is, you know, very, it's very novelistic, let's say. But this thing is like, and he, he decides to get involved in a drug deal with the cartels and everything goes awry. But the thing is, is like McCarthy writes in storyland. He does. uh, You know what I mean? And Ridley Scott does a very good job of directing this realistic but it is like you know, it's it's quite poetic. People speak quite poetically in it. So maybe that was I don't know what bugged people about it. But I I was completely gripped 
to this. I thought it was, it, I was watched it the, only two days ago and I thought, this is fantastic. Okay, maybe I, I'll watch it after this. Yeah, I, I would give it, Might check it not out. five stars, I would, but I would definitely give it a solid four. Okay. It's not, I'll tell you one thing, the Coens are, because it's a similar, it's not a million mm. miles away from the story in No Country, the Coens are superior directors to Ridley Scott and I like That's fair. Ridley Scott. I mean, there's um, two of them. Yeah, yeah, they were they like no country is is much better than than the counselor, but the counselor is really good, and it got really torn apart. But I think it's one of those films that people will look back on in in years to come and go, "Wow, that was fucking fantastic!" Almost what like if, the thing that popped the, um, into go on. No, no, you go. Well, the thing that popped into my head was Barry Lyndon, which people didn't know what to make of in its day. It's not as good as Barry Lyndon either, but it's certainly better than the savaging it got. Is it similar in any way to Barry Lyndon? Or are you just say are you talking about how they were? No, I'm just received. talking referring to how it was received. <laughs> it's like I, the counselor and Barry Lyndon are it's in the in same no... universe. <laughs> well, actually, do you know what? One thing about because I've I've made this point to you about Barry Lyndon before is like Barry Lyndon is in its it's like a guy trying stuff, and then about halfway through the movie, you realize, oh, this is all going to end terribly. <laughs> And you just have to watch it fall apart. And the counselor does that quite well. Yeah. All I heard about the counselor was that Cameron Diaz like gets up on a windscreen of a car. And <laughs> that's all I heard about it. That's a very odd scene. I have and to say, she's got her no, pants there, off. I heard. Yeah, uh, but you I know what's very funny? There's very. It's very funny because that scene you see because Javier Bardem tells Michael Fassbender's character about it, and he's like, <laughs> he's he says, telling him this is what happened. He says he's trying. He's trying to forget this thing. And he said, like, he, the way he describes it, he's like, no, man, it wasn't sexy at all. It was like a catfish or something like that. Uh, it's it's quite an odd bit of in the movie, I have to say. But whatever, man, it's Cormac McCarthy. You got to do it. Fair play. Well, it's good to be back, isn't it? It's good to be back. What are we talking about next time? Because I did listen to the last episode, but I know it's Tokyo Story, but I can't remember your toss pick. Your, Sancho um, the Bailiff. Sancho the Bailiff. That's right. Classic so stuff. Ozu's uh, Tokyo Story and some other guys, Sancho the Bailiff. I believe it's Jackie Chan. <laughs> Is that right? His famous no, Japanese no, it's, director. <laughs> it's some guy called uh, Musia, um, Mussolini. It's some guy called Mussolini. No, I'm going to okay. look it up right now. Uh, Kenji something. That's probably. right. That's right. Kenji something. Uh it is Kenji Mizoguchi. That's right. Have you have you watched have you watched either of these films? No, but yeah. I've watched I've watched other Ozu films and other Kenji okay. films. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I like everything I've seen of Ozu, and I like everything I've seen of Kenji. And these are supposed to be their two best films. So bottoms nice. up. Bottom, yeah, yeah. Bottoms up. Indeed, uh, we'll see you guys next week for a week of uh, pretentious Japanese cinema. Absolutely. Back to normal. Over and out. Out. Goodbye. I love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.